Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. It's bangthebook.com's MLB and KBO betting podcast for Thursday, June 25th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Going to do a hybrid show today with some Major League Baseball and some KBO. That's probably how I'll do things here for the, uh, I guess, for the next couple of shows. Then focus, once the calendar flips to July, all to Major League Baseball with that abbreviated 60-game season coming up. I'll talk about that more here in a couple of minutes. The Daily KBO article over at bangthebook.com will probably be going away about mid-July or so, I would say, maybe earlier than that. If it looks like we're going to have football seasons, I've got to catch up with my college football power ratings, with some NFL prep stuff, and then obviously here with Major League Baseball prep, not to mention NBA and NHL should be coming up as well. So KBO at that point in time would take a back seat, probably early to mid-July, something like that. But we've talked about a lot of different things that can keep you in the KBO game until you get comfortable with all the other stuff that's going on. Not to mention, over bangthebook.com, still covering golf, UFC, and NASCAR. Travelers Championship underway. Talked about that on Tuesday with Brian Blessing. Got a preview for that, and also the five daily fantasy picks, the value-based plays. Those golf uh, those golf articles, excuse me, go up every week over at bangthebook.com. UFC on ESPN 12 coming up on Saturday. UFC 251 next weekend at Fight Island. That should be a whole lot of fun. Three championship fights on that card, so we'll have a preview for that next week. In the meantime, got that UFC on ESPN 12 preview. Xfinity Series and Cup Series this weekend. Xfinity Series, 12.30 Eastern time on Saturday. That's the Pocono Green 225. And then a doubleheader in the NASCAR Cup Series. This was scheduled. The Pocono Organics 325, then the Pocono 350 Saturday and Sunday. Thoughts on all of this weekend's NASCAR races at Pocono, the stock car side anyway, over at bangthebook.com. And some new MLB content getting posted over there as well. Uh, Talking about the 60-game start to the season, taking a look at the win totals posted over at BetOnline Sportsbook. You can get a sportsbook review for BetOnline over at bangthebook.com. Exclusive uh, deposit code for that place as well. But got some new MLB content up over there, and we'll be doing some more MLB stuff, obviously, in the lead-up to the season here, talking about it on the betters box, and then also writing about it over at bangthebook.com. So things are going to get very busy now from the start of July through the end of the year, so long as everything goes off as scheduled. I'll be very, very busy over at bangthebook.com covering a lot of it, uh, so make sure you keep an eye out over there for all of that. All right, so we'll start by talking Major League Baseball here. I'll do some overview stuff for right now. What my plan is, is that beginning July 2nd, so a week from today, I'm going to do a new Five and Fly segment on each edition of the Betters Box, looking at the six divisions, talking about what my thoughts are for this 60-game abbreviated schedule. And again, as we know, with this new schedule format, 60 games, 40 against divisional opponents. You'll play 10 games 
against each of the four teams in your division. So now two-thirds of the schedule will be division games as opposed to about 47% of the schedule. So I'll do the five and fly segments here beginning July 2nd. We'll do AL East on July 2nd. We'll do AL Central on July 6th. AL West on July 9th. Then the uh, NL East on July 13th. NL Central July 16th. And then NL West on July 20th. So that's what I'll do to get ready for the season. Five and fly means five minutes on each team. I'll work in some other stuff as well in terms of you know schedule analysis and, and all those kinds of things. Still a lot of moving parts. Still a lot of uncertainty as we know here. Because again, I mean, we're talking about a virus that is highly contagious. There are going to be a lot of positive tests, particularly early on in the process as these guys get tested. I mean, we're seeing it across the country here that as more tests are taking place, more cases are popping up. And obviously, municipalities, states, cities, and of course, the leagues. And we just saw this with the PGA Tour this week with a few withdrawals and stuff like that. You're going to have positive tests. And this shouldn't hijack all of the plans that are coming. Major League Baseball knows this. The Players Association knows this. Guys will test positive. Now, the question is, with this expedited, or with this, I guess I'll say sped up portion to ramp up for the season here, if you're a starting pitcher and you show up to camp on July 1st and you've got the Rona, that's two weeks, flat out two weeks. So then you're going to get, what, a couple of, of outings, you know, maybe 40, 50 pitches, something like that to get ready for the season. So right now, in terms of taking a look at futures, I'm not playing anything. And a big reason why is because we just have way too much uncertainty. You know, if, if we talk about not even just COVID cases, but COVID cases obviously will play a big role early on in the process here with testing and all that. So that's two weeks at a minimum. And obviously guys that maybe room with those players, stuff like that, they'll have to err on the side of caution with them, so on and so forth. But we're talking, even if you hurt an oblique, right? An oblique injury for a pitcher, an oblique injury for a hitter, something like that. The typical time frame for an oblique injury is four weeks on the lowest end for guys that heal up quickly, eight weeks on the long end, pretty much an average of about six weeks. Well, six weeks here at this point in time wipes out half the season if you get it in early July, and most of the season if you get it during the course of the season. So injuries will play a massive role here with everything that's going on, as well as, obviously, positive test cases. So I don't think there's a ton of futures value going to be had in this format. It's already going to be a very high-variance format. I'll talk about that in a second. But again, as we look here at this schedule, 40 games in the division, 20 games of interleague, and you'll play six of the 20 against your quote-unquote interleague rivals. So the Reds and Indians, Cubs and White Sox, Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, Angels, so on and so forth. So six games against that interleague rival, four games against three of the other teams in the division, and then two games against the other team, and that could play a big role. All of a sudden, we're talking about two games being 3% of your season. So if you wind up being a team in the AL Central that draws the short end and you only play the Pirates twice as opposed to four games, 
that's disappointing. That could be something that does ultimately hold you back. Similarly, if you know you only get two games against the Orioles or the Marlins or the Royals or the Tigers, something like that, those two games could be the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, between getting your season win total and not getting your season win total. So I don't know how much futures involvement I will have. I think there may be some things that I play as we get closer to actual opening day on July 23rd or 24th. But to me, this is just such a high variance environment from an injury standpoint, from a performance standpoint, stuff like that. So there are some teams based on the schedule format that do benefit. The Indians and the Twins are the two biggest benefactors. And I know people really like the White Sox coming into the season. I didn't really buy all that hype. Had a season win total ticket on their under. But the White Sox, Royals, and Tigers combined for 306 losses last season. So the Indians and the Twins, who are expected to be the top two contenders here in the Central Division, they wind up playing 30 games, half of their schedule, against those two teams. So from a strength of schedule standpoint, the Indians and the Twins get a big lift. Similarly, in the National League West, the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. The Rockies, Giants, and Padres were all bad teams last year. Dodgers won a ton of games. Diamondbacks won 85. Again, half of their schedule now winds up being against the Rockies, Giants, and Padres. So in theory, at least going off of what we saw from last season, the Indians and Twins, the Dodgers and Diamondbacks, two really big benefactors in this whole equation. Because if you're a team in the AL East, now you play 30 games against, uh, you know, 40 games against the Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, who are a dangerous team with their young offense, the Rays, who I still really like, even in this format. Yeah, you get 10 games against the Orioles, and yeah, you'll cross over and play the Marlins in interleague play, but you'll also have to play the Braves and the Mets and the Nationals. And when you look at this from a West Division standpoint, Houston, Oakland, a much-improved Angels team, a much-improved Rangers rotation. The Mariners are a bottom feeder, and the Giants will be a bottom feeder as well. The Rockies with the course field factor, you know, playing 30 games at home, 30 games on the road, who knows how that will go for them. So the teams that really benefit from this are kind of in the driver's seat. Now, of course, they still have to play to their capabilities, stay away from injuries, stay away from positive COVID tests, stuff like that. But for the most part here, you know, strength of schedule could come into play. Now, on the flip side, you look at a team like the White Sox or a team like the Padres, something like that, a team like the Blue Jays I just mentioned. In a high-variance format, this may work out for them. Being really good over 162 games is very challenging. Being really good over 60 games or at least good enough to go, say, 35 and 25, something like that, that's not quite as difficult. So if you do want to dabble in the futures market, you've got to look at the long shot route, I think. Because this format brings a lot of teams into play that traditionally wouldn't be in play. For example, let's take the National League West, right? The Dodgers were going to win this division. And they were probably going to win this division by a large margin, probably 15, 20 games, something like that. But the Dodgers have had periods where they've been a 500 team over the span of 40 or 50 games. Just two years ago, they were, what, a 500 team 
into like early June, something like that. It happens. You know, if, if you don't come out and play well right away or you get some of these key injuries or something like that, that could be really significant in the grand scheme of things here with playing these futures. So I wouldn't look at futures with the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Astros, teams like that, because the margin for error is exceptionally thin. You look at the Az- or you look at the uh, Dodgers and the Yankees, for example, they're in the four to one range to win the World Series. And if you look at just about every team in baseball outside of the really bad bottom feeders, there were teams that played really well for a sustained stretch of time and teams that played really poorly. The Dodgers and the Yankees on paper, yeah, the two most talented teams. Great pitching depth. That should help in a format like this. Very good offenses. But things happen. And injuries happen. You know, let's say, what if Garrett Cole gets COVID the second week of the year? And he's out two weeks misses three starts. That's very significant in 60 games. So this is one of those scenarios where you probably do, if you're investing in the World Series futures market, you probably do want to take some longer shots. This brings a team like the Padres at 50 to 1 or so into the equation. They weren't going to run down the Dodgers for the season. But now you run into a scenario where some of these teams that would have been hunting for the wild card may actually play well enough to win the division and get into that guaranteed five-game series, which is a dramatically different scenario from a hedging standpoint and also from a you know win probability standpoint for the World Series. If it comes down to one game, anything can happen. If you get five games, at least you've got a puncher's chance, a better chance. Plus, you've got series price hedging and stuff like that. So there's not a whole lot of equity here in playing really any of the short prices. Not I wouldn't play the Dodgers. I wouldn't play the Yankees. I wouldn't play the Astros. Even teams like the Braves and the Twins are a little bit short for me in terms of the World Series futures market. Now, the Twins do benefit because they play the White Sox, Royals, and Tigers, and the Indians don't have a great bullpen. So maybe that's something that kind of harms Cleveland a little bit. So yeah, the Twins are in the Catbird seat. They're in a very good position, but at 16 to one, can you play that in this high variance environment? What if Nelson Cruz sprains an ankle? What if Jose Barrios gets one of those obliques I talked about? What if, you know, Taylor Rogers gets hurt or somebody else at the back end of that bullpen? Every injury, every positive test, everything that happens will be magnified in this abbreviated schedule. So I think you've got to look at some teams at some long shot prices where maybe the best case scenario comes through, like a Toronto Blue Jays. I I think the shortest price I would look to play, I've seen a team like Tampa Bay out there at 28 to one. I still love Tampa Bay because their pitching is exceptional. And that's something you want to look at here too. You know, I think the Angels could be much better. Getting Anthony Rendon, getting some help for that starting rotation if Mike Trout gets hurt or gets sick, where does this team end up? And Mike Trout didn't play all of September or most of September last year. The Angels were already long out of it by that point in time. You know, maybe Mike Trout hits 250 with a 330 on base and a 500 slugging percentage over a span of 60 games. You know, we don't know. 
But the expectation of Trout is that he'll still be very good no matter the format. So if he goes out and you're holding an Angels ticket, that's not great. You know, even a team like Colorado. Colorado's a long-shot team with a chance. The offense is good. I don't like their pitching staff at all. Maybe in 60 games you can kind of hide that. What if Nolan Arenado gets hurt? If Nolan Arenado gets hurt, the Rockies go nowhere. So if you're looking at the futures market, you have to look for teams, I think, that are very well balanced. Teams that do have enough depth. Teams that have good bullpens, like the Padres. The reason why I like the Padres so much is because in this format, they have a dominant bullpen. In any format, they have a dominant bullpen. And what that means is they don't have to try and stretch their starters. They don't have to rely on one big reliever to go out there and pitch 35 of these games for them. They've got balance. They've got depth. They're going to win a lot of the games that they should. And that's another critical element here of this is that teams with elite bullpens, in my estimation, have the advantage because you are going to have to convert a very high percentage of the games that you lead into wins. Blown saves are going to be a killer in this format because you just don't have the margin for error. A lot of these teams at the top of these divisions will be separated by one or two games at most. Everything's going to be bunched up in this 60-game format unless some team just goes apeshit and goes 40-20 and or 45-15, and something like that. So you're going to have to win the games that you're supposed to win. And that means your bullpen is going to have to be reliable. And, yeah, most of the good bullpens are with teams that have short prices. So that is a little bit of a catch-22 there. But a team like the Padres could do really well in this format with that dominant bullpen. Maybe a team like the A's, not that their price is great, but maybe a team like the A's can actually run down Houston in 60 games as opposed to over 162 games. A team like the Rays can most definitely run down the Yankees in this format. So again, you just kind of want to look at each team's individual situation, and you also want to look at the schedules that they're going to be playing if you're going to dabble in the futures market. And something else here I think is really interesting too, and the Atlanta Braves GM Alex Anthopoulos has already talked about this, they're going to do piggybacks. They're going to do four-man rotations. They're going to do some different things with their starting pitchers because they have so much starting pitching depth. And in particular, early on in this abbreviated season, the rosters are going to be 30 men. After two weeks, it goes down to 28. After two more weeks, it goes down to 26. So if I'm an MLB team, looking at the first two weeks, I'm loading up on pitchers, and I'm doing piggybacks. I'm doing you know four-man rotations. I'm doing openers. I'm doing a lot of creative things to try and stretch out my starters a little bit and also put myself in a position to where maybe I've got those starters in better form for the latter part of the season. I'm also looking at the schedule. I'm trying to align my best starting pitchers with the games that will matter more. You know, if you're the Indians, you've got to set this thing up where you get as many Bieber and Clevenger starts against the Twins and White Sox as humanly possible. If you're the Yankees, you want Garrett Cole facing Tampa Bay as much as possible. So these are things that these teams are going to have to figure out. But for us, from a handicapping standpoint, I mean, this is going to be difficult. 
Because you may have a lot of scenarios where starting pitchers only go two or three innings. You're going to have multi-inning openers and piggybacks and all that kind of thing. You're going to have teams really trying to limit the usage of their fifth starter because you're only playing 60 games and there are six off days. So you can find ways to manipulate your rotation to skip that number five guy, to go with four-man rotations, stuff like that. You know, this is something that Trevor Bauer has always wanted for the Reds. He wants to pitch every fourth day. He feels like with his training and his preparation, that's something that he can do. Well, now teams can experiment with these things. You don't have to worry about a third time through the order penalty because you've got a little bit of an expanded roster, especially in the first four weeks of the season. You can pull guys after going twice through the lineup or once through the lineup, stuff like that. So teams are going to be really creative here with this. And so from a betting standpoint, from an individual game standpoint, I'm kind of concerned about that because you're going to have a much, obviously everything is so much different here in 2020, but you're going to have a much different structure and setup for these games where one team may be doing something kind of unconventional and outside the box and another team might not be. Another team may be doing everything traditionally. Furthermore, prospects, right? There's no, There are no minor league games this season. There's going to be taxi squads at local minor league ballparks for these teams, but there are there will be no minor league season. So if you're the Marlins or the Orioles or the Tigers, but the Tigers are a good example, right? They've got some pretty good pitching prospects. Guys like a Casey Mize. Well, do you just let Casey Mize make 10 starts in this abbreviated season and not worry about it? If you're the Indians, do you try to fit Nolan Jones in there somewhere? Because next year, you're probably moving Jose Ramirez back to short and trading Francisco Lindor. So do you try to find out if Nolan Jones is your third baseman? A lot of teams are going to have these prospect decisions to make where they're going to have to decide, you know, what, what do we do here? Do we try and make this big push to win the World Series in this abbreviated season? Or do we worry about our long-term organizational health and play some of our prospects? Do we see maybe some better starters? Do we see the White Sox run Michael Kopech out there in high-leverage relief situations? You know, there are a lot of different things that these teams are going to do, and each team's individual situation is going to be different. So... That's another reason why I don't think futures are a great bet. Even season win totals are going to be very dicey. And if you take anything away from my MLB rambling here today, it should be this. And listen very closely. Do not bet any futures right now. Don't bet any futures until the season is about to begin. Because the last thing you want to do is get locked into a future and somebody gets hurt or not one guy gets COVID, but eight guys have it. Several guys test positive. What is the ceiling for a team if eight guys get positive tests and all of a sudden they're out two weeks, you know, at the start of the year or something like that? There is no reason to rush to the market. We always talk about getting closing line value and trying to get ahead of the number and stuff like that. And that's critically important in traditional cases. This is anything but traditional. So I wouldn't look at, 
I mean, you can look at the futures market and get an idea of what's going on here. But I wouldn't look at betting anything from a futures standpoint at this point in time. And something else I want to mention here, too, you know, along with talking about how I think elite bullpens get benefits here from this format, elite pitching teams in general, because they can be really, really creative. Why is this going to be so high variance? Let's look at Jose Ramirez as an example. In the first 60 games of the 2019 season, Jose Ramirez batted 207 with a 306 on base and a 311 slugging percentage. In his next 60 games, he batted 292 with a 341 on base and a 588 slugging percentage. Nolan Arenado last year, first 29 games, 271 average, 318 on base, 500 slugging percentage. And remember, he plays half his games at Coors Field. So that's really bad. Over his next 31 games, so making up a 60-game season, over his next 31 games, 400 average, 450 on base, 728 slugging percentage. Cody Bellinger, first 60 games, 370 average, 456 on base, 721 slugging. Next 60 games, 265 average, 376 on base, 614 slugging. Still elite, still very good but not what he did in the first 60 games. This is part of the high-variance environment here in that hitters go through streaks and slumps all year long. Pitchers do it too. We've seen pitchers dominate for seven or eight starts in a row. Something happens mechanically or they pitch through something. All of a sudden, they post a six ERA over their next seven or eight starts. So individual player variance is going to be very significant here for this Major League Baseball season. So that is something that I'm going to have a lot of pause with in terms of the futures market, just because, I mean, guys, the great players are usually very good, but they go through periods of time where they're not as great or not very good. So depth, I think, will make you better equipped to handle the variance. But on the other hand, high-variance teams, teams that could get hot or be really bad, Maybe the bets to make here, like a Padres, like a Blue Jays, something like that. So, again, a lot of moving parts here with this Major League Baseball season. And some other things I'll talk about, too, as we go along the line here. The impact of the universal DH. The DH will be in use in both leagues now. Last year, DHs collectively batted 252, 339 on base, 467 slugging. It's a 338 Woba, a 110 WRC+. So collectively, as a unit, DHs were 10% better than the league average. Pitchers in the National League batted 131 with a 162 on base and a 166 slugging percentage, a 146 Woba, and a minus 17 weighted runs created plus. So NL pitchers collectively as a unit were 117% worse than league average. So the universal DH will impact scoring in the National League. To what degree, I don't know. But some teams are better equipped for this. The Reds have a bunch of position players, didn't know where they were going to put them all. Now they can DH one. The Dodgers, incredible depth. They can DH a guy, and it's a big advantage for them. Other teams are going to rotate through the DH spot like a pseudo day off for some of their position players, or they can maximize defensive ability Based it on park factors, stuff like that. Will some teams allow fans? Will it matter? Park factor considerations. Talked a lot about Colorado. 
Colorado, they'll play 30 games at home, but think of their road games. San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, the usual suspects, but now they have to go play road games in Oakland and Seattle and Anaheim, all places where offense doesn't come easy. Minute Maid Park, if the roof is closed, it's a decent pitcher's park. The new ballpark in Texas, we don't know how that's going to play, but it won't play like Arlington did. So park factor considerations. So many things to consider here, and I will do it all as we lead up to the season here on the Better's Box and also probably do some content over at bangthebook.com as well. Like I said, we'll do the five and fly, all six divisions starting July 2nd here on the Better's Box. Five minutes on all five of the teams talking about things to look for here with this abbreviated format and what is going to be, obviously, the most unique baseball season we've ever had. Transitioning over to the KBO here to finish up the show, and what I'm going to do is I'm mostly just going to preview the next round of games because I'm going to spend most of the show on Major League Baseball, but I'll preview the next round of games in the KBO, give you some general overview betting thoughts. So that's how I'll do the betters box here. But before I get into that, Kuchang Mo is human, man. Give up four earned, five total, over four innings against KT on Thursday. Again, everybody is subject to regression. Outlier, especially. Outliers are going to regress towards the mean a little bit. Kuchang Mo did that there on Thursday. Long day for bullpens. Had a lot of double headers on Thursday. Keep an eye on that going into the weekend. But something interesting here for LG, who, by the way, now has a team ERA of five. It's gone up like a run and a half in the last three or four weeks. But their closer, Lee Sang Yu, made his first appearance in game one of the doubleheader, pitched two-thirds of an inning, walked three guys, didn't look very good. So they're still worried about him. In the second game, Jung Woo Young winds up being the closer. So a leadoff walk, and leadoff walks are just a death knell in the KBO. Next guy is trying to sacrifice bunt. And I'm watching along with this game, and I'm pulling my hair out because, my God, I hate sacrifice bunts. Kiwoom playing for the tie, I get it, trying to extend the game. But the leadoff guy just walked, right? So Jung walks the second guy who's trying to sacrifice bunt. So they got two on, both on walks. They're giving up an out again, much to my chagrin. They get the sack bunt down. And then LG calls for the intentional walk. And it loads the bases for Park Byung-ho. Now, Park Byung-ho is a guy I've talked about a lot this season. He doesn't have the batting average. He's been walking a lot, still hitting for some power, spent a few days on the injured list, came back, went four for four, hit a home run, been swinging it pretty good since he got back, right? So they load the bases for him with a guy who's already walked two guys and just intentionally walked somebody. What happens? Park Byung-ho hits a grand slam. So that's just kind of KBO in a nutshell. Trying to bunt when you really shouldn't. Walking a bunch of guys. Then give up the grand slam. Blow the game. One of many reasons. One of many reasons why. I'm not too enamored with betting the KBO right now. But I'll still give you some thoughts here. Give you some ideas. What I have in mind. If you're still betting with the KBO. The five series coming up here this weekend. Kia and Kiwoom, KT and Hanwa, LG and SK, NC and Doosan, Samsung and Lata. Kia goes on the road to take on Kiwoom, and this is a Kiwoom team that's now won, I believe, eight in a row. Uh, They are absolutely rolling right now in second place overall in the KBO with that doubleheader sweep on Thursday. Park Byung-ho is back. 
They're getting good innings from Lee Sung Ho and Han Hyun Hee. Everything's going in Kiwum's favor here right now. Key, on the other hand, back-to-back rainouts. So on one hand, they can now skip Lee Min Woo, which is probably what they'll do here, and go with Drew Ganyo, Im Ki Young, and Yang Hyun Jung in this series here against Kiwum. So I think this is an under series. Kia, 6.3 runs per game at home, 3.8 runs per game on the road. Kiwum is scoring more on the road than they're scoring at home, 5.5 runs per game at home. I think this is a lower scoring series. Kiwum's bullpen has been very good. Yeah, the offense has picked it up, but Kia's going to have arguably their three best starters. Well, three of their four best starters here. They're missing Aaron Brooks in this series. But Ganyo, Im, and Yang have all been really good this season for Kia. So I think this is an under series. The totals will be on the low end with the pitching matchups here. Eric Jokic will also go in this series for Kiwum. But I still think this is an under series. Low totals, but I would expect low scoring games here at the Sky Dome this weekend. KT and Hanwa. And you know what? Credit to Hanwa. I mean, we, we've all kind of laughed at them. We've all kind of marveled at how bad they are. But they rocked David Buchanan on Thursday. He gave up eight earned on 12 hits in six innings. Really good effort for the Hanwa offense, and they needed it. Now KT comes to town. KT scoring 19 runs off of NC in the series finale there, game two of that doubleheader. This could be a higher-scoring series. Even though it's at Hanwa, KT's pitching staff is not great. Again, their bullpen just massively overworked. Ju Kwan and Yu Wan Sang pitched in both games of the doubleheader on Thursday. So I do not like this KT bullpen in this series. They will be laying some bigger numbers by virtue of playing Hanwa. Warwick Sopold will start for the Eagles in this series. That will be the only reasonable price probably. Uh, But I wouldn't lay big numbers with KT here. I don't know if Hanwa maybe wins this series, but I do give them a chance here. You know, KT has not played well on the road. They have to outscore teams to win. That's difficult for them to do. Kind of like Hanwa a little bit here in this series. They have not scored at home, but again, an outlier. Positive regression to the mean is possible. Again, they just knocked around David Buchanan. So maybe a little bit of belief starting to roll through that Hanwa offense to a degree. So kind of like Hanwa a little bit this weekend against KT. And again, maybe look for some live opportunities with Hanwa with that KT bullpen being overworked once again. LG and SK. LG gets lucky here in this series, and maybe they need it because they've kind of hit the skids a little bit. They will avoid Park Jong-Hoon and Moon Sung-Wan, who pitched the two games of the doubleheader against Doosan on Thursday. Instead, they'll get Ricardo Pinto, Kim Tae-Hoon, and Lee Gian-Wook. And Lee Gian-Wook, as I've talked about already, is a big fade candidate to me. Now, this LG offense is neutered a little bit by injuries right now. They did get Kim Sung-Bin back. Uh, for the game on, I believe, Tuesday, I want to say. So they got one of their offensive pieces back. LG is just a better team all the way around. SK, if it's not Park Jong-Hoon or Moon Sung-Wan, it is a struggle. They don't score. The bullpen is pretty average. It's not bad. But they're one of those teams like Hanwa that winds up trailing a lot early in the game, and they can't catch up. So I think... This should be a good series for LG. I am scared of laying the bigger numbers with them here because their bullpen is just in complete disarray. But I think 
fading Lee Jian Wook is a good idea in this series. Uh, and I think SK, you know, I, I don't think they fare particularly well. I think LG wins the series. But again, laying big numbers with them a little bit scary right now with what their bullpen has been putting together. NC at Doosan. NC's third crack at Doosan this season. They are 4-2 and two here so far. Doosan got shut out in Game 2 by Moonsung Wan and the SK bullpen. That snapped a six-game winning streak for them. But NC is kind of treading water a little bit here lately. Five and five in their last 10. They split the doubleheader, so six and six over their last 12. Doosan avoids Kuchang Mo. The NC bullpen has just been a disaster. They've failed to score double digits in their last 13 games. And NC offensively was regularly scoring double digits early on in the season. They didn't do great offensively against KT. I think NC is coming back to earth here. I think regression is setting in a little bit. Now, of course, Doosan at home, they don't score. They've scored about, what, four and a half runs per game in actual home games. They've done a little bit better in their quote-unquote road games against LG. But maybe Doosan fares pretty well here in this series. I don't know. I think this is a tough one to handicap because you've got this Doosan team that if this is a lower-scoring environment, they don't defend well. They don't have a great bullpen, although it's been very good of late. They may have the bullpen advantage over NC here, though. So I think I would look for opportunities to play Doosan. I think it's a tricky series overall. They avoid Kuchang Mo. They avoid Mike Wright. Raul Alcantara will get the start at home in this series. Doosan is trending up. NC is trending down a little bit. We'll see if that's how things play out. But I think this is the most difficult of the series to bet here for this weekend. Finally, Samsung and Lata. Lata well-rested after the back-to-back rainouts there. Samsung playing well. Then David Buchanan gets rocked by Hanwa. That kind of slows them down a little bit. Only 4.5 runs per game for Samsung on the road. 5.4 at home, as we've talked about. But these are two pretty solid bullpens. Samsung's a good defensive team. Games in Lata, 9.7 runs per game. Games on the road for the Giants, 9.2. So Lata's actually a little bit of an offensive park factor, but it hasn't played out that way here so far. So I don't know how this series is going to play out either. I think this one's a little bit tricky as well. But one thing that is unfortunate for Samsung here is that they wind up getting Dan Straley because the doubleheader was rained out. So that's a bummer for Samsung. Straley could very well dominate Samsung again here uh, in this start. But, you know, when I look at this one, I think Lata has the upper hand to a degree. But again, two very good bullpens here. So maybe some unders, maybe some live betting opportunities. Tough series, I think, this weekend. NC Doosan at the top of that list. Samsung Lata right there. The only things I really like here, looking at Kia and Kiwum unders, looking at Hanwa as maybe a little bit of a live dog, and then also looking to fade Lee Jian Wook in that LG and SK series. So like I said, this is what we'll be doing. We'll be talking Major League Baseball for the majority of the show and then previewing the upcoming games, excuse me, in the KBO uh, on next Monday's show. After that, probably going to focus predominantly on Major League Baseball from July 2nd until the start of the year. Be doing more baseball content over at bangthebook.com as well, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.